father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. I'm Coach Kevin Furtado. Today, episode 122. Today, we have part two with Coach Keith Coleman. Keith Coleman is one of North America's great speakers and sought-after minds on the many facets of sports, motivational, and leadership. <clears throat> He's been described as a gentleman of the 21st 21st century, a renaissance man, a scientist of sports motivational behavior, a previous college professor for University of Houston, AIB, College of Business, and Lee College, and is also a retired Marine Corps officer. Keith is considered one of the top training coaches in the country by Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors company, Coach Up. Keith coached a women's AAU basketball team to a national championship in 2005 and 2010. His team was voted the top shooting team at the University of North Carolina camp. He is one of the few persons to have been the head coach for both men's and women's college basketball teams. He was recognized by thebasketballcoach.com as a top collegiate coach in 2012. The following year, Keith was invited by Nike to produce a basketball training video to championship productions called The Wave System. Keith is a free throwologist and is known as a free throw doctor. He has been recognized by the Lead America Youth Organization and National University for his work in inspiring life changes in our next generation of leaders. Most recently, recently, he was awarded the National Institute for Staff and Organizational Development medal for outstanding commitment and contributions to the high school and college students in the state of Texas. He was presented his medal at the International Conference on Teaching and Leadership Excellence in 2017. Keith is a graduate of Norfolk State University and completed postgraduate work at Army Logistics University. He attended Western Michigan University Thomas M. Cooley Law School and has a master's degree in education from Concordia University. Coach, let's welcome for part two of our series with Coach Keith Coleman. Keith, welcome to the podcast. Coach? Hey, Coach. Coach? Yes. <laughs> yes, great, great. Hey, welcome back. Hey, uh, hey! Again, we have uh, Coach Keith Coleman here with us today, part two of our series. Uh, he's uh, graciously c- coming back and, and doing another part to really add to all the great things he's doing. Coach, first of all, hey, let, tell tell the audience a little bit how you got involved in the coaching. Well, the um, first of all, uh, my coaching experience has been very unique compared to others. Uh, as you know, most coaches were either uh, got involved in through being a PE coach and then going that route, or they got involved in it um, by uh, sitting on the college bench after they finished their, their time in the collegiate level and then got into coaching that way. Mine was uh, a real roundabout uh, method. Uh, my first experience in coaching was uh, I was the uh, – 18 years old, and my brother uh, was coaching a team at the base. This is before AAU was invented. Um, it was just internal base teams they used to have on bases around the world. And he was coaching the team, and the other team's coach did not show up. So the boys that were there, these were 14-year-olds, and the, the coach did not show up, and so the boys did not know what to do. So my brother threw me over there and told me to coach the team. And Obviously, we got beat, but it gave me my first taste of being on the bench and trying to orchestrate a group of young men uh, into uh, basketball. So that was my first uh, my first introductory to coaching. And then after that, I got involved with coaching base teams. And it's just been a very unique uh, road to the path of where I am today. 
Yeah. And, and looking at your career, you I think you always fall into those leadership roles and, and you were in the armed services for 22 years. You're a retired Marine Corps officer. Tell us how tell us how you get as influence your coaching, because um, I know you run. I, I love I love the style. I've seen your video. I love how you I love how you coach. Well, the uh, military, as you know, is structured through, you know, is very disciplined. And so because of that, that discipline, uh, that's how I uh, set up my teams. Um, it's very deliberate. It's very um, impactful. Um, and as you uh, know, with the armed services, also there's a um, pecking order. Um, you always know who's in charge. And I try to set my teams up that way as well. Uh, not that they're not going to be a cohesive unit, but they do need to understand that the captains are the captains and they have responsibilities that I have, you know, bestowed upon them um, because they are put in that position. Uh, the point guard is the point guard and he has certain obligations. And I expect him to do certain things as well. Uh, when I say that, you know, um, somebody needs to take the ball out, you know, for this particular play, I expect for him or her to do just that. And so the responsibility, just like it is for the armed services, you know, uh, rolls into my coaching. When you want to have a machine gunner and they're supposed to be up on top of a, a Humvee and laying down lead, you want to make sure that they know that's their job and they're supposed to do it and no one else can do it but them. And so, you know, we're dependent on them. So when we tell you to set a screen, I expect you to set that screen because we're dependent on you. So my structure in the military uh, has helped me um, and influenced me uh, tremendously with regard to my coaching style. Yes, and players, we all know this, Coach. Players have – there's roles on a team. And I think your best coaches really identify roles for their players, correct? Exactly, exactly. You, you have roles, <clears throat> um, and uh, you want to be able to set them up. I I, as you know, I teach some coaches clinics, and one of the things that I, I do when I'm trying to help young coaches is I ask them, uh, could your team, uh, could I take you and put you into uh, an area in the gym and tell your team to run a structured practice totally without you, and also could they run a game totally without you? And all of them shake their head no. They, they may be able to get through practice, and I'm not sure if they could, but they definitely could not get through a game. So then – what that's telling me is that you don't have discipline in, in place on your team because when the captain speaks, the captain is supposed to do it. And one of the things with the military, because of the way we're set up, the, called next man up, that's where that actual phrase came from. It came from the armed services. And when you talk about next man up, have we trained them to be the next person up? Are they ready to take on that responsibility? So if you have seniors on your team and they're captains and stuff, have you educated them throughout the years that you have had them so that they know, do they even know, you know, who's supposed to be in the book? Who, who does the book? You know, they say, well, they don't need to be responsible for that. Yes, they do. Because all that plays into their learning and making them to understand what's going on. Uh, understanding why it's important for uh, the water balls to be behind the, the bench. Uh, you know, all those, those little things that a lot of times your assistant coaches take care of, but it's important that you coach your team as well. And so when I tell coaches that, and I've had some coaches that have come back in my second clinic when I travel around, and they say, hey, coach, just, you know, this is a little side note. We may be uh, having some water on the break or some coffee on the break. And they say, hey, you know, when you were asking me about uh, is my team prepared to be able to run, you know, a practice or a game without me, I actually did that. And so they tell me, they, and they find where the mistakes are. Uh, with their team with regard to maybe some belligerency from, you know, John Smith. Uh, he doesn't want to listen to the captain or they find that maybe the captains aren't as strong in some areas that they should be. Uh, and so I find that to be, you know, interesting when they take some of these principles and these examples that I give them and they go back and they said it truly, truly helps their, their team. And it gives that discipline element as well. Right. And, and I, th I think what you're saying is, and I totally believe in this coach is you want to really train coaches. I mean, you're training leaders, even though you might have a certain, um, you know, you have certain leaders, maybe ahead of the rest. You have leaders and followers. You don't you even in the army, you're training leaders. They might not be a captain yet, 
but you're training leaders. We're training leaders. And you know what? Um, and I always tell my assistant coaches, you know, and they say, well, you're, 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 you're talking to him about how he dressed. You're talking to him about, you know, this, that, and the other. You're holding him to a real high standards, coach. And I said, you know what? What we are teaching is uh, how to be a productive citizen. Because if they always come late, it's not because they come into practice. You're, you're putting habits in them that's going to affect us as a, a nation later on. When they come sloppy, it's because they, you know, if you allow it, they will do that. And <clears throat> they're going to be uh, sloppy in how they handle their finances. They're going to be sloppy on how they, you know, treat people, how they speak, all of it. So <clears throat> it's more than just basketball to me. You're actually uh, setting the groundwork and the foundation for uh, future citizens of this country. Yeah, and I really do feel, Coach, you might disagree. I, I think we need more discipline in our schools, to be honest with you. I think we're really lax, and I, I'm not afraid to say that. I think we need that throughout our society. Coach, tell me about the WAVA system. I, I love that system. I studied it. Um, tell us how you came up with the name and how that system works. Okay, well, <clears throat> the name uh, is an acronym that stands for Waging an Aggressive and Vigorous Attack. And how we came up with the name is uh, waging with, is with regard to betting. As you know, you've got to be able to gamble on yourself. You've got to be able to, to wager, take some things and, and to gamble. Um, and in the wave system, there are some opportunities for our players to gamble, whereas like, for instance, just defensively, when you think you can go and trap, we give you that option to go and do that. There is no, you know, a set play. You're, you're, you're gambling that you can go get that ball. And so we're going to allow you to do that. And so you're making a gamble on yourself. And throughout the offense, that's in it. When we talk about aggressive, I don't like people that are lazy. You know, if you're going to do something, do it with some aggression and go after them. I love defense, and we've talked about that before. And the aggression on defense is, I think, is paramount with regard to basketball. And so I want you to be aggressive, you know, in that. And then vigorous, vigorous is really shaking things up. Do something different. The offense and the defense is designed to shake things up and do something different. <clears throat> As you know, it's based off the military, and we have to be able to keep our enemy um, on his or her toes. And so we want to make sure things are different. If you run the same supply lines all the time, if you're always uh, moving your troops in a certain direction, if you're bivouacking in the same area, all you're doing is setting, making it easy for your enemy. And so we want it to be vigorous. We want to shake it up. We want to make sure it's changed. And the other thing is we want to be on attack. I don't like people backing up. I want you to make them back up. Um, and so we're always attacking. We're always in your face. We want you to feel uncomfortable. And so that's where the, the name or the acronym for waging an aggressive vigorous attack, that's where that came from. Yeah, and, and tell us a little bit about the system. I know um, we talked about that in the, in the uh, last podcast, but uh, tell us about, you know, how the system is structured offensively and defensively. Offensively, it is uh, structured with a, a pattern of movement, which is basically a, a, a motion type of, a, of an offense that has a, a pattern um, because there's certain things that you want people to know and to be able to know where people are going to be, those spots that we talked about last time, I want them to know their spots. Um, and so it's based off of that. There's some unusual positions to shoot, which aren't um, normal positions for some, and it takes some time for them to learn to be able to shoot off of those positions. Uh, so it, it, all that is plays into it and gives them an, an opportunity. But at the same time, there's flexibility, um, which we'll talk more about in um, – you know, future wave uh, releases, but there's some flexibility that goes into it. But first they have to get the structure down. And so the system is based off of imagine boot camp. When they go to boot camp, the, the basic thing you want to do is to, when the person graduates is to have a basic trained service member. Everybody's the same. After that, they get into their specialty and their specialty is they're going to be a machine gunner or they're going to be admin or they're going to fly aircraft or whatever that is. But everybody starts off with the same. So the wave system is based off of just that. Everybody understands all those places being the same. Nobody's any different. 
This is the structure, and we can always go back to that, and we can always lean on that. And so that's that's how you know that part is set up. And the defense is very very similar to that as well. There's not a whole lot of changes that goes along go along with the defense, um, but it all has a basic structure. When you look at the the video, you see that is a basic structure. What's supposed to happen? Ball goes up. Who covers what area? Those kinds of things. That all is, you know, again, what I call the boot camp of it all. It's the bottom, it's the concrete, it's the foundation. Right. And then, and what I've heard is you're coming out, I think you just mentioned that you're coming out with kind of another uh, another sneak peek of Wava System 2.0, 3.0. I'm excited to hear, kind of give us a little idea of what the other videos are come, coming out with. Well, the 2.0 is based off of, okay, the first one got you into the conflict. How, how do we start with the air attack and so forth and so on? 2.0, I'll give you a little bit about it. But 2.0 is now that you've already started the, the conflict. Now you're already in the game. How do you actually change the battlefield? How do you um, fight the battle? Because the game is four quarters of you're fighting the battle in those four quarters. We've already got you to start. We've got some offense. We've got some defense. We showed you how to make some changes. We showed you how to rotate. But now, how do you truly, truly fight the battle? And that's what 2.0 is. And in 2. Point, I mean, in 3.0, we go into how to end the game. How do you end the battle? You know, when the battle is done and the, the, the flag is up one way or the other or it's starting to get close, are you trying to say, is this going to be the particular conflict or battle or confrontation that's going to end it, meaning it's at the free throw line or whether it is um, because you're going to hit a three-point shot or you're going to be trapped coming out the ball, I mean, on the, on the inbounds play or whatever it is, we show you that in 3.0. So basically we take you through a whole conflict uh, for a war from the beginning of how it gets started how to fight it in 2.0 and 3.0 is how do you get out of it. And, and the other part about getting out of it is, you know, people think well, it's all over when the troops come home, but there's also equipment that has to be brought home. And so how do you logistically do that? And so we talk about that as well in 3.0. Yeah. And I, I just love the comparison, the military terms on that. I think it's so cool how, you know, you have, you have definitely related the two. Um, why is that so important? I think you already mentioned that and so forth, but, uh, obviously the game is not a war. I would never say that, but there's a lot of similarities in tactics, right? There are a lot of similarities. Yeah, it's definitely not a war, um, but there's a lot of similarities, but it's the mindset of, of how you approach things. And that's where um, that, that comes into the training. You know, we have practices. There's so many similarities, like you say, but it's about the mindset. And that's why, you know, we, I make those correlations uh, between uh, the military and, and basketball. And I've had some coaches that are, you know, in foot, football coaches and uh, baseball coaches and some soccer coaches that have said, you know, hey, I've tried to take some of the stuff that you, you know, have in your basketball video because the basketball coach has offered me an opportunity to look at it. And I see some of the things that are similar um, that I can utilize. So it, it seems like it's even going across uh, different disciplines of sports, which is which would be 4.0, and I know that um, there's a, cu- a couple of um, video companies that ask me would I be interested in doing that, and I said, well, let me get 2.0 and 3.0 done first, and then I'll think about 4.0. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably be contacting you. My friend and I, we actually have a um, he's a video producer. We might be giving you a call to tape some things. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. No, Hey, you're considered the free throw doctor. Let's be honest, coach. Free throw shooting, I don't think has gotten better. I think it's gotten worse over the years. Uh, first of all, how did you receive that name? And tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Well, um, I received the name um, because people were having some problems with, with free throw uh, training. Um, and because I was um, – I just – you know, when you in the military, going back to the military, when you're spending so much time um, on a ship and what they call Golden Gator Squares, doing 30 days at a time before you get ready going for a conflict or be prepared for a conflict, you got a lot of time to think. And based off of that, they gave me an opportunity to uh, find some uh, comparisons 
uh, to free throw shooting and weapons training and, and shooting distance range, all those kinds of things. And so I started to delve into that. As I got into coaching, uh, other coaches would have problems with their players with, with shooting, and they would just say, you know what, why don't you just call, you know, Coleman? And they were like, who? And they say, yeah, Coach Coleman, yeah, he's like a free throw doctor, man. He just really helps kids out real well. And so that's how the, the name, you know, kind of came to me and, and got stuck there. You know, you, when you get sick or you can't shoot free throw, you call the doctor. And so that's, that's how uh, the name and tell came us, give, give us a sample of how you would help. Let's say I have a player. I want to send them to you. Um, let's say she's um, just inconsistent, maybe shooting 50% from the line. Uh, she has good technique, but she can't make free throws. Is that more of a mental side? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. We start from the beginning. Um, the first thing that we do is we, I watch um, how she approaches the line. We will look at that. We'll shoot some video on her. Uh, with that, I've got a little um, – I pull out – we pull out rulers and measuring tape and all like that. There's actually a formula that I use, which is based off of body mass, uh, balance, coordination. And um, then we do an eye exam uh, on the player. And then from that eye exam, that tells me what they're seeing. Um, and there's some goggles we put on and some other stuff. And then based off all of that, all of that, that's going to get her what we call in the black. We're going to get her shooting. Even if she's shooting on the right side of the basket, if she can shoot there consistently, we can make the adjustment. But if she's shooting on the right side sometimes and left side sometimes, short sometimes, then that's a little bit more difficult. That's what we call more of a surgery. We've got to really tear down her shot and start working on it and trying to figure out where the illness is. Um, and so it is, you know, almost a lot to do with, with medicine as to how we approach it. Once we get that, then we start to try to figure out the, the side with regard to uh, her mental stability when coming up to the line and um, uh, the phobia that she may have, some fear that goes into it because – a lot of this is just frustration because the player doesn't understand, you know, why aren't I shooting well? Why can't I make this shot? I'm only 15 feet away, yet I can back up and shoot a three-pointer and knock that down, or I can, you know, shoot something from the elbow and not have a problem, but I get to this crazy line and I can't seem to make the shot. And so it's more when people see what I do, they're like, man, I, I didn't know it was this, you know, in-depth, but it is. It is. I, it, it just, it's a science behind it uh, more than just, you know, saying, okay, just move your foot or just do that. No, we actually uh, have a program that we put all this information into and break your player down and see where she or he is. And then once we do that, then I can actually make a diagnosis. So it's very similar to going into the doctor and you're not sure, not, not knowing what ails you. You know you have a fever. You know you're not quite feeling well, but you can't put your finger on it. Well, that, that's kind of what we do. You, you, you know you're not making free throws and you just can't put your finger on it. And we're going to break it down, but we have to do it through tests, just like the doctor does. Well, we're going to run this test. We're going to run that test. So we have to go through and run tests on you as to your strength, your, what you're seeing, your balance, your coordination, all those types of things. And then from there, I can start from a platform and then move you to the next level until we can get you to make free. And coach, you said you hold clinics for coaches around the country. Uh, first of all, how can we get a hold of you? Uh, or, or how many clinics have you done even this year? Of course, now you, I'm sure you can't do it this year, or maybe you can. But tell us how we can get a hold of you and just tell the audience on um, how many clinics are you doing throughout the country? Well, I, I, I'm hoping to get um, – I usually try to do four, six to four um, a year. And this, this year – um, my popularity has gone up exponentially. And so I was hoping to get even more in. Um, and the way that the clinics pretty much work is the, if the coach wants me to come in um, to work with their team um, or with their coach, we can do a combination. So let's just say that they say, you know, coach, I'd like you to work with my team. Um, and I also will put on a coach's clinic for the coaches that are in that area. And we, um, uh, you know, Obviously, you get a chance to utilize their gym, and uh, we advertise and, and, and that type thing. All the coach really has to do is just send me an, uh, an email, and um, my secretary will 
um, find out what area of the country they're in and what works best for them. We don't want to interrupt their basketball camps for the summer. Um, so that uh, allows them an opportunity to do that. And like I said, use this a combination because the coach that's hosting me, uh, he or she gets uh, the benefit of, of having their team come in and allow me to work with them where each one of their players, I work with them individually and break down their shot, help them with their free throw shooting and give them my diagnosis and also some treatment. If you continue to work with this or do that, um, it helps you. And on the flip side of doing that, they, you know, host me for the, the coach's clinic. And so normally it works. Um, again, it's up to the coach um, as to the time frame. But usually what happens is I come in uh, the night before um, and then I will come that morning and we will do the coach's clinic for the free throw doctor. And then that afternoon, their players will come in for their summer workouts and then they'll come one, one at a time or they'll come in a group and I'll start working with them. That evening I leave and I usually go to another um, city uh, that's no more than three miles away. We run a car and I'll go there, come in that evening, work with that uh, next coach's clinic that day, run work with their team that evening, and then I'll drive back that night to my original destination so I don't have living out two different airports and then I would go to the next one. And so that, that's kind of how it's, uh, it's set up. So the coaches that I've worked with have been great. You know, they have a little hospitality, you know, area that they've kind of put together for the coaches. And obviously, you know, there's a, a fee that is, um, that the coaches pay, you know, to come. It's very small because most of the coaches are middle school coaches, you know, high school coaches, you know, they're not, you know, able to pay two, $300 for, you know, a coach's clinic. Um, but it's just something to take care of the snacks and, and uh, help to offset the cost. Yeah, I love that. And I, I think there's a need for it. Cause I, I run a lot of clinics out here uh, at my school. Um, I think, and give me your opinion on this coach. I think we're, I think most basketball coaches are good organizers and leaders, but I, I think sometimes we need specialists to come in and help our players. But a lot of times we don't because maybe of ego. What do you think? I think that is that, that really was what started out at the beginning when I first got started with these clinics is that coaches are like, you know what? I already know that I can shoot free throws, so forth and so on. Um, but what they are finding um, is they, when they actually see me do my work, they're like, wow, I'm, I'm nowhere near, you know, this. I, I don't have this type of capability. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and you are listening to the Championship Vision Podcast. Hi, I'm Alex Stevenson, athletic director and girls basketball coach at Dodd City. I've been at Dodd City for seven years. During those seven years, we've won seven district championships been to six regional tournaments and three state championship games. I'm a huge fan of this podcast, what it brings and the platform that we're able to share knowledge and wisdom on and, and grow as coaches. Ability, you know, and had never dug in the weeds this far. Um, so a lot of them are realizing that they can bring in someone. But what I'm trying to do is to take some of the talent that I have and to actually teach coaches how to teach free throws because many coaches have told me privately and publicly that I just don't know how, you know, I, I, I just do the, old, you know, just tell them keep shooting or, you know, bend your knees or, you know, um, uh, you know, hold your breath or, you know, they just tell them all kinds of stuff because they really don't know because they don't know how to diagnose. It kind of goes back into when someone, you know, has a fever or not doing well and at home, the home remedy will give them some aspirin and, you know, tell them get some rest and get a lot of fluids out. Well, okay, that's good, but now it's not working. So now what do we do? And that's where you have to go. You know, unfortunately, you go take somebody to a doctor, and that, that's where I come in. So what I'm trying to do is make, and I'm, I'm saying this, you know, in a, a very kind way, um, but to make some more of me, some more doctors out there that can help them. So if you have a coach um, that's on your uh, coaching staff and they've gone through one of my clinics, they're not going to be me but they certainly will have a better understanding of how to try to correct some of the problems that their players are having. Yeah, I love that. And I want you to give us a sample of some training tips that you would use uh, or give to the coaches. What are some, what is the drill? I think you shared with me last time, I think it was your tennis ball drill. I think it was share with me a drill or technique that you would use. 
Well, uh, if you're talking about a, a, a team training, um, uh, that's, you know, one you saw in the video. Um, another technique that I use is when I have the players on their back and they start to work on their form and um, just trying to work on, you know, breathing and then one leg up, another leg up, and then both legs up. And that's worked on their concentration. Um, the concentration at the free throw line, as you know, uh, is tremendous. And it's very tough for uh, a player to walk up and uh, after running 80 miles an hour, stop and get their breathing straight and get their focus straight. And the other thing is uh, then they've got players that they know. And again, they know at that time they're by themselves. Everybody's looking at them. And so all of that is rushing in. So we try to work with that. But one of the techniques is to um, have them rotate um, as players. So if coaches could have um, three kids um, at the line at the same time and we have them, you know, rotate. And this kind of goes back to, you know, baseball where you have the, you know, the person that's hitting and you got the, you know, person, you know, on deck and the person in the hole. And the reason that is is because it starts to get them to – we teach them, the players, how to uh, start to control yourself. And so because you know that, you know, eventually you're, you're getting ready to jump off the bridge. You're going to be the one that's up next. You're the one that's going to have the spotlight. You're the one that everyone's going to be looking at. And so what we do, there's actually three phases to that. And then in, and in the, the, the phobia book, we talk about that, but there's three phases to pr preparation mentally. And so we try to work with the players. So I tell coaches, one of the things that you can do is to line up three players. you got one shooting and you got one that's on deck and then you got one that's in the hole. And then based off of that, they, they and then we talked, what are you thinking right now? The one that's, you know, furthest away. What are you thinking right now? Well, I'm, I'm watching him shoot. I'm not really thinking about anything. What I want you to do is I want you to concentrate on X, Y, Z. And then the next one, okay, what are you thinking now? I told you I wanted you to concentrate on this. Now, what are you thinking? Well, I, my mind is wandering. Bring your mind back. And so we start to get them ready to take that step to approach that free throw line. So that's one of the techniques. Yeah, I'm trying to like. compare it to like golf in a sense that they say that the great golfers do not think about their shot until right before in their preparation. Like when they're walking to the next uh, shot, they're not thinking about it until they get close to the ball and they go through their prep. Is that similar to free throw shooting, you think? That, that's very that's very similar. The mind of the athlete is unbelievable. I have done some research as a free throwologist, done some research in just Olympic athletes um, and their mindset because one of the things about the Olympic athlete, if you you know as you know, they only get one shot at it. And so when you, you're training, training, training for that one shot, it's not like it's going to be another season. It may be, it may not, maybe you don't make the team. You know, all of that is coming down to that, that focus. And that's part of the things for the free throw. We teach them it's only one shot. You know, yeah, but I got fouled on three points. No, 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 it's only one shot. Yeah, but it's a one and one. I'll get another one. No, it's only one shot. To focus them on that one shot. Stop worrying about you're going to get two shots. You don't have to worry about the fifth. Or you don't have to worry about you got three shots. Or you don't have to worry about because it's a one and one and you'll get another shot. No, that's not – you need to focus on one shot. And so bringing all that focus into that by, you know, doing some study on athletes. The athlete's mind is just totally different than just the average human being walking around. But going back to the military, we start to have to work with the mind of the service members to get them prepared for ultimately, you know, sacrificing or possibly sacrificing or willingness to sacrifice your life for your country. And so – the best training that we can give you helps you prepare and gives you that confidence. The exact same thing is true with the mind of the athlete. Get them prepared, not only physically, but mentally for the task. Yeah, and, and let's be honest, Keith. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think we spend enough time and I'm including myself on the mental side of the game, which I think is vitally important. You, you, of course we can have a whole podcast just on the mental side, right? That's absolutely. 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 That has taken, and I can say my years of training, that's taken more than uh, I want to uh, admit and just getting into it because it just intrudes me. And my wife will tell you sometimes that I go into that and then the next thing you know, you know, it's an hour or two hours and I'm still reading. And because it, it tells you to go off to something else. I say, oh, I don't know what that word is. 
And then I go on and I search it off the internet and find that word. And, you know, it's just so much that's going on when you start dealing with the mind. Uh, and the, like I say, the yeah, mind. Let me ask you this, because I have a girl. She's really good, coach. She shoots 80% for a girl high school player from the foul line. Actually, 82%. Um, that's, pr- that's pretty good. And wow. the, that the, this that's last great. game in the state tournament, which was in February, um, we lost by four. She missed, I think it was eight free throws. And she's usually money. And, of course, that, I know it still affects her now. She couldn't believe it. But she's usually money from the line. But when you get to those last possessions where a game that you go home, you go – I mean, you miss a shot, you go home. Um, that's a whole nether facet of it because free throw shooting at the beginning of the game and end of the game – I think there's more pressure at the end, but the free throws at the beginning are also very important. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and the other thing is it's important for them to make one. It just, just to, you know, to make one, they talk about, you know, in the education, when you're trying to educate, you know, students that may not be the best student, you try to give them uh, an easy one at first, just like the SAT is set up that way. You know, and the ACT is set up there. They get the easier questions at the beginning to right. build some confidence in the student, and the harder ones go on. Well, that's the exact same thing is true with the mind of the athlete. But one of the things that I always do is uh, before um, a big shot, um, I always try to call a, a timeout. And I know that people say, you know, well, I like to just continue. I like to call a timeout, or hopefully allow the other coach to call a timeout because I want to talk to my shooter. And the one thing that we do not discuss is the shot. That's the last thing that I'm going to talk to them about. I talked to this about the coaches in my clinic. What I talked to them about is their favorite ice cream. And see, ice cream gives you a good feeling, right? It's cool, right? It goes down easy. People like it. It's sweet. And so it gives them a mental picture of something good, something they've had. It gives them the pleasure. And so I, I talked to my ice cream. So I'll come over, you know, hey, man, <laughs> tell me what your favorite ice cream is. What? What'd you say? Totally, totally throws them off. What do you mean? What's your favorite ice cream? Coach, vanilla, strawberry. I don't know, strawberry. Okay, well, why, what do you like strawberry for? What? What do you like strawberry for? And so it, automatically you see her mind is already geared on that shot so much. So I'm having to, you know, peel, peel it out of her, you know, as to what, what she's thinking. And then she'll go, well, because I like strawberries. And what do you like? Is it sweet? Or, yeah, I like it. Well, where do you find the best? Well, I really like briars. Okay, so now, you see, now we're engaging. Her mind is taking off of that free throw. And so then I say, okay, let's go out there, make sure you rebound, but there ain't going to be one because Mary's going to make the shot. Bam. And then we go out. And most of the time, most of the time, I can't tell you the percentage, they make the shot. Because I've taken them to someplace else mentally because they're not going to take themselves there unless they've been trained to do so. So as a coach, that's one of the things I teach them is how to take your players to different places and at different so points. So think less. Yes, you want them to th- – but you want them not just to think I less. You. you want them to okay. think about something right. good. Yeah, so more of a positive mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really – it. That, that's very interesting on that. I don't think it's utilized enough in our coaching. Coach, talk about – you've coached at the international level – the high school level, the college level, boys and girls, men's and women's. Tell us a coach who's interested in coaching at the next level. Share them some tips on how they can better position themselves if they're interested in getting into, let's say, a college coaching spot. Well, what I would say to you right off the bat is you want to um, change genders. And I say that if you're coaching men, then the best thing you do is try to coach women. If you're coaching a women, the best thing you do is go coach men. Now, when I say coach them, even if you don't do anything but tune into their practices and watch, it's a different type of uh, basketball. For instance, the boys' basketball is more up-tempo. You know, they have a different mindset. They believe they know everything, uh, that type of thing. Fine. But you're learning some techniques that the, the coach has learned how to deal with that. And on the flip side, if you go watch your girls, more, more tactics, more technique, you know, very, um, you're going to go here and you're going to set this and you're going to do this. And so the combination of the two 
is what helps to make the coach fulfilling, gives them that roundness, you know, to it. You know, everybody knows how to scout and to look and all those kinds of things, but it's a roundness to the coach uh, that I have learned from coaching, you know, uh, both, both sexes. It just becomes um, when they say, well, my, my girl does this, I, I, I can pull back on what I re- remember from that. He said, well, basketball players are basketball players. Basketball players are basketball players in some regards, but you're crazy if you think that, you know, girls are exactly just like men and men are just like girls. The basketball is, is different. The people are different. Their thinking are different. You know, they say that, you know, one is from the moon and one is from um, uh, Mars. And, you know, one thing's with the right side of the brain, one thing in the left. All that stuff is true. And so as you coach, you have to be able to understand the different levels. Now, I'm not saying you're going to say, okay, well, I'm coaching the girls, so I'm a coach her this way. It's not about that. What it's about is the opportunity to learn all types at different levels because as much as you teach your players, if you're smart, they're going to teach you as well. And so they may not say it physically, um, but I mean verbally, but physically they're going to teach you. Watch how they move. What do they do? How do they approach things? You know, those kinds of things. Those are the things that are going to be um, very, very, very instrumental in your development. As yeah, and those coaches that, <clears throat> of course, I'm a high school coach, and I, 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 I'm in my right spot. I'm not interested in, uh, in coaching at the next level. But for those who are, you have to get out and connect with people, right, in the right way. You just can't always be searching for the next job. You have to do great in what you're doing. You have to be great in what you're doing, but you know, again, those that want to, you know, go mm-hmm. to the next level um, before you can move up, you have to have the education behind you, and not always are you going to be able to get the education. By you know, many many years ago, there was there was very little for coaches uh, to learn. Um, there was no place for them to go to learn, and so. Uh, you you have to sit on a bench for 10 years and gather it from the person that has that job, and then maybe you'll get your break. That's not the case today. The case today is there's ways that you can go and retrieve that knowledge from other formats, coaches clinics, um, 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 virtual uh, webinars, um, you know, just talking to coaches, you know, like, like you and I are just, you know, talking – most coaches are willing to exchange information. Nobody's trying to keep it for themselves. They're willing to exchange information because that's how it is. It's an organization of coaches, of professionalism, in which we want to we want everyone to do well. Yeah, that makes a lot of there's I mean, the information age is is now. I mean, the information. Do you think though that there's almost too information too I mean, too much information out there and we have to become more relational? Uh, I think that um, you got to remember when you um, get your information, you're getting it from one source. Uh, what is the background of that coach? There's some coaches, you know, that um, have, you know, just coached high school or just coached college or whatever, and that's great, and they can tell you that. But, you know, the college coach can, you know, help you in a different realm. You know, what are you trying to learn um, about the game? And I think that you can learn it from all sources. Some of the best, you know, uh, coaches um, are the high school coaches, even though they're not at the college, they're all the pros, but some of the best coaches are the high school coaches. And people say, well, how, well why aren't they a college coach? Maybe because they don't want to be. You know, maybe they just are satisfied where they are, but their knowledge base is tremendous. Now, there are also some coaches that are, have been, are even currently high school coaches, they're not very good. And I say they're not very good. They've, well, he's been doing it for 20 years. Yeah, that's maybe the problem. Some of them aren't <clears throat> willing to change. They don't want to change because, as you know, the players have changed in 20 years. They're not the same. Their mental capacity is not the same. How they approach it is not the same. What they expect from you as a coach is not the same. And so even though you've been there for 20 years, it doesn't make it that you're a great coach because you've been there for 20 years. What are you learning? What have you learned? What are you willing to learn? Because if you're not changing and everyone else is passing you, if you're not moving forward, everyone else is passing you. And so I, I tell coaches, you know, try to learn from anyone and everyone something. 
even though they may be the worst coach that you've ever seen, you learn something. You know what? I learned what not to do. And that's education. Yeah, that's a great point because you see it all in coaching. You see some great ones, uh, but you also see some coaches that are not really, really dedicated to their craft. Coach, tell me as an athletic director, and you've been very fortunate, you've been not only a coach at different levels, but you've been an athletic director, and that's pretty rare. Um, What does an athletic director look for in a coach? Uh, What does – is is it just – I know you, so I'm going to hire you. What do athletic directors do? I think the good ones hire the best candidates. I know that sounds obvious. What do you think? Well, that's true. They do try to um, hire the the best candidates, so best available. But uh, as an athletic director, um, for instance, for a – if I was going after a basketball coach, I'm going to ask for game film. And most of the coaches think that we want the game kill because we want to watch their team. But it's, it's, not, it's not the team I'm watching. We're watching you. How do you interact? As athletic directors, you know, I went to the resource um, um, athletic director school. And one of the things that I learned is by pulling the film in, in class, it started to show us, you know, how you can actually start to look at your um, coaching candidate. And so as you're looking at them, how are they interacting on the bench? And you want it, and what normally I ask for, I like to get three games, you know, or four games from you, four game films. Um, and I want one that you got the mess beat out of you. I want one that you won when you beat the mess out of somebody. I want to see the ones that were close. <clears throat> and I want to see um, um, the one that kind of was a back and forth type of a game. And each one of those tell me something about the coach. One of the things, let's just talk about the one that got the mess beat out of you. If you're a coach and stuff and you don't get off the bench, you're getting beat by 20, and you don't get off the bench, unless it's a timeout from the other coach, then I'm not going to hire you. I'm not looking for you. Why? Because that's the time for you to teach. As a leader, when you're down, what are you going to do? How are you going to help me? If you just sit there with your arms folded and watch me get beat by 20 because we're just, you know, the team is just better, and sometimes they are. It's just their night or they're just a better team than they are. But that's the time that you got to stand up as the coach and continue to coach. Call the timeouts. Get them to work on an out-of-bounds play. Talk to them about running a good defense. Johnny, why didn't you set a better screen? To the team, they're like, we're down 20. We're not going to win. <clears throat> that's okay. And when I have my team come to the bench, the first thing I say to them, there's no such thing as a 20-point shot, gentlemen. No such thing. So what does that mean? That means that we're going to have to either fight our way back in this thing or we're, we're just going to lose and be unsuccessful tonight. But what we can do is be successful and win because we're going to learn something from this. So let's take this as a very, very high intense practice. And this is what I want you to work on. And the players attack it differently. Instead of walking down the court, holding their head down, they see that. So that's one of the things I look for to coach. The next thing is when you are actually you know, winning by 30 or 40 points. Are you the coach that's sitting up there and, you know, rooting them on and, and you're trying to kill this team and, you know, and you pile it on and you're still running a press or a trap? Eh, I don't want that coach either. Because what I want that coach to do is the exact same thing. I want you to be the one that says, okay, we're winning by 30. That's great. I want you to continue to run, but let's work on our, our display. Let's go towards zone. Let's work on our man. Let's work on it. Are you taking time to teach them? So whether you're winning by 30 or you're losing by 30, you still want to be coaching. And if I don't see that in you, I'm not going to hire you. The same thing when it goes to, okay, so now we've got one that's going um, back and forth. <clears throat> well, when it's going back and forth, are you making adjustments? What kind of adjustments are you making? Are you still orchestrating what's going on on the court? Are your team responding to you? Because when it's going back and forth, the team, when you come for your, your huddles, I want to see what's going on in those huddles. Do they sit there? Are they looking at you? Are they looking around? Do you not have control? You don't have control of your team. And if you have control of your team, you're not going to have control of the team at the next level, at the college level, that's for sure. Because they are you know, grown men and, and grown young ladies. And they even more so think they know maybe so, more than you do. So that's one of the things. And then that tight game when it's coming down to the wire, it's going to be shot at the free throw line. You know, it's going to be that last second play. What did you do? How did you orchestrate it? You know, what are you doing about it? Those kinds of things. So as an athletic director, that's why, you know, you want to see um, game film 
not on the players, but on the coach themselves. And the other thing is, um, when you're looking for coaches, I'm looking at your resume. Again, have, were you involved with girls basketball, even though you're going for a head coach for boys? Probably not. Mm, that's a deterrent. I don't, that's not going to, that's not going to fly with me. You know, uh, have you been to clinics and, and, and can, you know, demonstrate that you're still trying to learn and you're, you're, you're trying to do things like that. Great. <clears throat> that's wonderful. I can uh, live with that. You know, those are the kind of things that we're looking for. Yeah, when it comes I, to that. I love the insight. I love the transparency. You said some great things. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Hello, my name is Rory Hamilton. I'm the head girls basketball coach at Norman North High School in Norman, Oklahoma. If you're looking for top-notch basketball coaching instruction and help, Look no further than the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. You can listen about our five keys to success at Norman North Girls Basketball, along with many other podcasts at championshipvision.org, or listen on Spotify at Championship Vision. Happy hooping. Juan, you were talking about um, what should an athletic director look for in a basketball candidate, basketball coaching candidate? Yeah, they, they, they want to look at the, you know, how much experience are you trying to learn? Are you trying to get ready for, you know, the next, um, the next level? Um, it's just like the service before somebody's allowed to be promoted to uh, another leadership position. Um, <clears throat> they are looked upon as what have you, what schools have you been to? You know, what roles have you had? What positions have you had? Those kinds of things. One of the things too, surprisingly enough, um, is we look at your volunteer ability. And when we say volunteer ability, um, do you, you know, coach at the YMCA? Um, you know, one coach uh, later on after I hired him, he's my baseball coach, uh, he said, you know, I'm not the best baseball coach, you know, out there, but I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm good, you know, I've won some things and so forth and so on. You know, can you tell me why you, you chose me? I said, because you've got three times that you worked at the YMCA. I know the YMCA is an unpaid position. And so you had to work when you looked at worked at kids with different levels and you also, you're a baseball coach, but you worked with, you know, girls and you tried to coach, you know, volleyball. <clears throat> I'm sure you learned something from me. He said, yeah, I did. And I said, that's what I'm talking about. The ability to coach. You're talking about coaching, not just coaching your sport, but coaching as a whole, dealing with parents, you know, totally different parent at the YMCA than you're going to have at the high school level, you know, totally different, you know, mindset you can't really how, how do you control kids that parents are bringing them late you know to a ymca practice that's only an hour long you know those kinds of things those kinds of things pay dividends because you're learning and you're growing as a coach and as an athletic director i'm looking at the whole package because when you start to um understand you are financially tied to the school and when i tell coaches they don't understand it as a high school coach you're not truly connected to a school, unless it's a private school, obviously, but you're not connected to the school. You have, you have no vested interest, you know, in that other than you, you go to the school, you're a math teacher or your PE teacher, and then, um, you know, you coach your, your, your team and hopefully you have a great season. Whereas in a private school or at the college level, um, it depends on how many kids are going to come to that school determines how much money's coming into that college. Um, as a private school, how many kids are going to come to that private school? A lot of it has to do with athletics. <clears throat> 80% of the kids that decide they want to go to a school or looking at school, they go straight to the athletic page, 80%. So athletics has a, uh, a direct correlation to the attendance and what's going on with that college, university, or even at, at, at private school. So um, I tell them you understanding that role and how to deal with people um, you know, helps us as a, as a college institution. Also, you have to remember, they're going to see your college or your school, and this is even public school, they're going to see your school and your name way before they ever walk on your campus. And so when you're out and you're at Subway or when you're out um, in the YMCA or you're out because the third grade class at Jones Elementary asked you to come out and bring the, the basketball team to sign autographs or do that kind of thing, how do you interact with them? Are you going to be the one that makes sure that the, the students are, one, informed of what's getting ready to happen? 
Two, remind them they're representing the school. And three, are they dressed appropriately? If you, you know, got long hair, short hair, you know, whatever, make sure it's kept neat. If you are wearing a sweatsuit, make sure their sweatsuits are clean. If they're not clean, then we're not wearing sweatsuits. Make sure they all are dressed the same. You want to show uniformity when you go out there. Make sure it's something that represents the school. Don't have something that has Nike on it if it doesn't have our school name on it. You know, those kinds of things. Those are the things that, you know, as a coach, I mean, as an athletic director, I'm looking for in coaches. And I'm sure that most athletic directors are very similar, if not the same, to my philosophy. Yeah, and you're, you're really looking for not only a well-rounded person, but a person that can connect with the community, correct? Got to be able to connect with the community. And you, and you, when you talk about your community, your community is wide, very wide. And <clears throat> you're talking about all races, all, all ages, all ethnicities. We're talking about all ba- uh, backgrounds, all religions, everybody. And you've got to be able to do all of that. So you are truly um, the ambassador for that institution. Yeah, and, and from the, the D1 coaches that I've heard in interviews and I've spoken with, I think majority of their job is outside off the court. Don't you think? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. There are uh, more interviews and stuff as a coach. Uh, you're pulled in, you know, many, many, many directions. And you, and, and you, you, cannot, um, you cannot say no. Um, what you have to say is, let me see if I can fit it in. And then that's, I mean, it may be a no because you, you can't fit it in, but when you just tell them no, it just gives that negative impression about your institution or yourself or your program because <clears throat> those are the people that's going to keep you in place as a coach when you're not winning and everybody's not going to have a winning season. And so when you're not, they remember the kindness that you did. Um, and the more you can put your players out there in a good light, the better off you're going to be. So that may be an interview. You know, I remember doing TV shows, uh, I, commercials for the school. I have done, um, um, you know, elementary uh, read to the kids programs. Um, I even, you know, we did a ride on the bus once a week where I would put the, the, the players at bus stops and they would get on the bus with the kids and the kids would see them and they would ride them to the school. I mean, a hundred and one different ways that you have to, communicate and touch with the community. Um, and that's, you know, part of your job as well as weightlifting, conditioning, you know, running plays, you know, make sure they get an education, you're doing well, study hall, you know, all that stuff that also has to go into it. So it's a lot of time management, you know, as a coach. Yeah, that's so true. I, I appreciate the transparency, the, the insight you gave us. Uh, um has to do with what's going on now with the virus and our society um, I heard something, I, I, and I want your military view. Is would it be better to have the military come in and just go and just basically not, not necessarily take over, but really kind of run our country to the point where people are really doing what they're supposed to be doing? Uh, what's your opinion on that? And is sports really uh, a big part of our society because that's really missed now? We really need athletics. Well, um, as far as the military taking over and doing all that, there's a chain of command, you know, that goes in with them. We have generals that are in position uh, and advisors to, you know, our our nation, our country, and and what's going on. As with everything, uh, our country will figure it out. But it's not a war between two countries or three countries. It's a war between the world and this virus. And so the military itself is not prepared uh, to, you know, just fight a, a virus by themselves. That's a world thing. This has to take all the world leaders, get together with the medical staff, figure it out, and, you know, and come up with something. You know, and then the generals in this particular instance are, you know, the, the doctors um, that are in position around the world, and they're sharing information. And so they're fighting it. And um, obviously right now we're taking some real casualties, you know, with this thing. But I believe it's going. We're going to turn it around, and as a as a, a nation, as a world, you know, as um, um, human beings, uh, we're we're finding kindness to all of us, and we will win this thing. 
with regard to sports, yes, <clears throat> as a sports fanatic as I am, <laughs> you know, I miss, yeah. I miss my sports. I wish I had, you know, taped more of them so I could watch, you know, old uh, uh, right. games that I might not have, you know, uh, watched before just because, you know, Arizona's playing uh, Colorado or whatever, and that's maybe not a game that I would have watched. Well, I would do, <clears throat> you know, uh, anything to sit down and even put that game on and watch it, especially when I don't know the right. outcome. And it would just be as good as if it was live for me. But um, the the sports, I think they'll find another way to, you know, get involved with, with sports, kind of start to bring sports back um, a little at a time. And, you know, they talked about, you know, running sports without, um, um, you know, having uh, fans in, in the stands. You know, uh, that may be the new norm for a while until they, you know, get a chance to, to do something, you know, with that. Um, I've heard of them. Maybe they're going to do some more of the um, sports where they're not so much contact. Maybe some more tennis they'll put on where you have two people that obviously they're going to maintain true. that social distance that they need. And so that may be one. Maybe it'll be one where, you know, they swim. You know, that may be one. Maybe there'll be one where they do track and field and they have the um, – uh, people on the track they have to stay in their lanes and run down the track, so they're just doing a two uh, a two hundred or they're doing a one hundred, uh, and they spread them out, and so they have more heats than they normally would have. Maybe those kinds of things. I think those are the kinds of things that they're going to have to do uh, because the nation uh, is sports driven, and they would like to see some you know some some sports. Yeah, sports are so authentic. You know, it's kind of the one thing in our lives that we can kind of go. All right, this is for real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, and have some fun. I think it's all about joy too, right, Coach? You got to have some joy in your life. And I know in my personal life, sports has always been a good distraction, a good joy. Of course, I, I do it for a living, but um, I think it's sorely missed. But I think there's going to be some things we learn from this, right? <laughs> there's some things that we're going to learn from it, and that's that's the important part. You know, what did you? we're going to win through our knowledge. And it won't catch us next time. Um, I think that there's just, you know, even myself, I was like, is it, uh, what is this thing? What is going on? They're talking about we got to stay in, blah, 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 blah. You know, you start seeing the death count. You start seeing, yeah. you know, the people that are infected count. Uh, you start to learn, you know, will uh, next time it comes or to keep it from coming, you know, we will be better at it. Yeah, absolutely. Coach, again, thank you for sharing. You, you, Again, how if they want to contact you, and hopefully we can get you back on the clinic side again. And um, this is what this is. This well, <clears throat> the um, you know the way that they can you know get in contact with me is through my email. It's the free throw doctor d o c t o r um, at gmail.com and send an email if they're interested. And if they would just put their phone number in, I will get back to them and call them or my secretary will to set up a, 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 an appointment and maybe we can, you know, come to your area um, and do some clinics for you, whether it's on the uh, wave system or the free throw doctor, we come out and work with free throws, uh, you know, book signings. I, I, I move around for all kinds of things. And so uh, that's the, the easiest way for them to, you know, get a hold of them, like I say, the um, um, free throw uh, doctor at gmail.com, or I'll just go ahead and also just give them my direct line. It's 832-290-8913. They want to send me a text message. I normally don't answer the phone. Uh, my secretary will uh, grab a, a text message if you send it to me, um, and we will get something set up because we've got to continue to train coaches and work together in our professional Absolutely, society. Coach. And when do you think your new videos are coming out for the wave system, the WAVA system? Well, I don't know. Now that you said that you wanted me to come down and tr work down there, maybe I'll shoot <laughs> down to your area. Well, so we'll do I don't it. know. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I've been working hard to build an online basketball school to help players and coaches. I'd love for you to check it out at puresweatbasketball.com. Hey, coaches, this is Brad Hillegas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division I, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision. 
because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile, desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning.